a vision of loveliness walked through the door this morning. Uh, you mean it's great to see you. Uh, great to have you back after so long. You're always part of our family and you never look older. Yeah. <laughs> a bit bolder. A bit bolder. Okay, alright. Tell me what uh, cream you use. Um, okay, so it's the third Sunday. The kids are with us, so we get excited about that. Uh, it's always good to have the kids with it. Yeah, yeah, raise their hands. Uh, always good because it brings a new energy and vitality, and we do lots of different things. And one of the things we do on the third Sunday, and we only have two more months to do this, is to measure. We've got to measure Jumbo James and the X-Man. Come on guys, come on, up you come. Um, as you know what we're doing, we are measuring our children, or two of them, uh, as part of our year of growth. Uh, our word for 2019 was grow, and so we're watching our kids physically grow as we and them spiritually grow. That's the idea. And so, uh, although I think the increments have slowed down a little bit as we've gone through the year. Absolutely zero growth. Zero growth. <laughs> You're going to Sometimes we have a growth spurt, and other times, not so much. Um, thanks, X-Man, for doing that. Alright, straighten up the straighten up the, the, the chart. Stop cheating. How's Jumbo going to Two months in which to grow to get six foot. Okay? So let the families work out a, a growth plan for them. Okay. So, kids, you have a wonderful uh, and a very important part to play this morning. The message that God wants to give us the, this morning rests entirely on you. <coughs> no pressure. <coughs> Alright? And I'm going to tell you what you're going to do in a little bit. Uh, but last week, let me talk about last week. Last week we launched ourselves into the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We looked at who wrote it? Peppa Pig. No, it wasn't Peppa Pig. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter. Who was Paul? Paul was a terrorist. He was a terrorist who killed Christians. He then met Jesus and he became a pastor. A smart career move. We looked at who it was written to. And we saw that it was written to Timothy, young Timothy, young pastor called Timothy, uh, who Paul had taken under his wing and had loved like a son and taken him on, on trips with him. And we looked at why it was written. And mainly, as, as we saw 
writing this letter to give you instructions so that if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So basically, he's encouraging Timothy um, to uh, not throw in the towel, because Timothy wants to give up, so he wants to give him some instructions, some practical instructions. But then we ask the question, what has this letter got to do with us? What relevance does this letter, written by an old guy to a young guy 2,000 years ago, what has it got to do with us on the corner of Sophia and 28th in 2019? Well, basically, it's important because it answers three great questions. It answers, how do we do church? How do we be church? And perhaps most importantly, why do we do church? And why do we be church? You see, this book, with all practical implications and instructions, actually points us to the very reason why we turn up here each week. Why we come and we sing and we teach and learn. Why Jeff and Linda and Jen and Ryan and Arlene and Emily and Siami and Sophie and Tanya and Chris love and teach our kids. Why our leaders take time and effort to look after the building, the finances and the administration. Why we go out on Halloween night and connect with our neighbours. Why we tear our hair out each year doing kids' summer camp. Why we turn up here, some of us, every Thursday and cook a meal for folk who might not appreciate it. This book reminds us why we do all of that. It reminds us what is ultimately important and what we must focus on if we are to fulfil our purpose here. It reminds us what is the main thing. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The main thing. But first I'm going to ask you a question. How do you prioritise? Huh? While panicking. Good. How, how, how else do you prioritise? We'll prioritise in different ways. Tell me. Interactive. The loudest noise. Who's shouting the loudest? That's how you do that first. What's most important? What, what uh, emergency or crisis might be? Yeah. Something might come up that's an emergency and a crisis. Yeah. I know some of you, I know some of you <laughs> spend a long time on prioritizing. You spend hours doing cost benefit analysis. You spend hours doing time benefit analysis. You spend hours doing energy benefit analysis. So you just know what's important to do. And of course you never have time to do anything because you're concentrating on working out on your spreadsheet what is the most important thing to do and other priorities come in. Some of you aren't so calculated, you just do the first thing on your to-do list and work your way down. Some of you, as you said, will do the thing that someone shouts at you the loudest. Oh, I'm going to do that. Some of you might look down your list of things to do and pick the easiest 
thing to do first. You know, like, okay, what's on my to do? I'll get out of bed. Okay, tick, done that. Fantastic. Some of you look at your to-do list and it's so daunting that you actually turn on the TV and you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking of you, Philip. But priorities and deciding what is a priority is a common and important part of our everyday. We make these choices and decisions every day. What do we focus on? What do we do first? Kids, this is your big moment. Don't fluff your lines here. This is so important. Okay, uh, if, you're, if you are a kid or a kid at heart, come to the front, come to the front. Come, come, come. Okay, we might need, uh, I'm going to, I need you to split you up a little bit, so I need some of you to come over to this side. It's the right-hand side. You would be on the right hand of God, so it's a very important position. Okay. Yeah, Trev, you go over. Okay, you guys stay here. Uh, and I'm going to have one adult come from each side of the church here. Do, do I have a volunteer adult? Of course, adults never volunteer. You choose, you choose someone from that side. You choose someone from this side, okay? Choose. Choose. Okay, Linda.
Right, 30 seconds left. And they all have to go in. There's one behind you there. us 
as a church at City View. Here they are. The first one is keep going. The second one is the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the third reminder is what's the main thing? So we're going to go through these quickly. Go through each one of them. First thing, keep going. Don't give up. Look at verse 3. Paul says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there. Stay in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Timothy is wanting to get out of Dodge. He he's had enough and he wants to run for the exit. And Paul wants him to stay and he's encouraging him to stay. Hold on and keep going. But why is Timothy wanting to get out? Well, there's a few reasons. First, he was leading a messy church in an even messier city, Ephesus. It was a tough city to do ministry, a tough city to preach the gospel. If you want to read about Ephesus, go to Acts chapter 19. It talks about Paul's visit there that ends basically in a riot in this uh, city of, of Ephesus. Uh, it was heavily into idol worship, the goddess Diana. And the goddess Diana was, uh, she was the goddess, amongst other things, of the moon. So there was all these weird traditions and celebrations about the moon. <coughs> and um, all of this was going on in the temples. And part of the reason for the riot was that when Paul was converting all these people to Christianity, uh, they weren't buying these uh, statues of Diana. And so all of these people making statues and selling statues were going out of business. And so there was this riot against Paul. And so this whole city was in a bit of a mess. But the church, there was no respite when, Paul, when Timothy went to church. Because the church was a mess as well. There was bickering, there was infighting, and there were people coming up with wacky ideas. Which we'll see shortly. So that's another. That's the reason why Timothy wanted out. Second reason Timothy was finding it tough because he was a young guy. He was a young pastor. He's probably in his mid twenties at this stage, and because he's young, no one's listening to him. He's. he's they're saying you don't have any wisdom. You're young. And and Paul says this to him uh, in, in chapter four. It says, "Don't let anyone." Look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone say you're too young. <clears throat> I found it really interesting. It's a little bit of an aside, but I found it interesting how folk have been responding to, to Greta Thunberg. Really interesting. I mean, if you've been on the, the, the Mars or something for the last three weeks, uh, Greta is a Swedish environmental activist on climate change. And so she's been campaigning uh, all around North America recently. And it's gained international recognition. And she's basically been speaking to the UN. She's been speaking to people in... Uh, of influence, she's been basically speaking to anyone who will listen. And it's 
it's been interesting because much, you've mostly been welcomed and applauded, but some have sought to discredit her and her message, including people in high places, including presidents, are doing this. Because of her age. Why should we listen to a 16-year-old kid? What does she know about climate change and life and business? In fact, if you listen to her, what she's saying is, if you don't want to listen to me, listen to the scientists. Listen to the grumpy old men, scientists, who have hairs coming down their noses and in their ears. If you don't want to listen to me, listen to them. That's what she's saying. But whatever you think of her, whatever you think, uh, she has a message. She has a really important message, and she has a way of saying it that is actually engaging so many people because of who she is, a 16-year-old. People are taking notice. God can use anyone to protect his creation. And he can use anyone to teach his message. And this is for you guys who are in Jeff's next generation. Sounds like a pop group, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's in Chloe? You're in Jeff's. Sarah, you're. And Trev. Trev's in it. And Warren's in it. This is for you guys. We need you in this church. We need to hear from you in this church. We need to hear what's on your heart. We need to hear what you're passionate about and what God is calling you to do. We need to hear that because I believe that you can teach us so many things that we would overlook ourselves. So here's a challenge I want to give to you guys in Jeff's next generation. I want you to think about what does God want me to share? And then, especially maybe on a third Sunday, because you guys are here, let me know. Let Jeff know. And I want, I want to hear <coughs> what God's saying to you. I want to hear what's on your heart. Because God can use anyone to, set, to tell his message, however old or however young you are. And that's the point that Paul's making to Timothy. Don't, look, don't let people look down at you because you're young. God speaks to you. That's what you need to hear. Okay? Next generation. That's, that's for you. Um... Why else? Why else is he finding it tough? Um, oh yeah, he was sick a lot. Timothy, not only was he struggling spiritually, he was struggling um, physically. We read about this in chapter 5, which contains perhaps the greatest instruction in all the Bible. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine. Because of your stomach and 
frequent illnesses. That's what Paul's saying to, to Timothy. This is my favourite verse, especially uh, useful on a Sunday evening. But he's sick. That's another reason why he wants to get out. And another reason he's feeling a bit fed up, well, although it's not clearly stated in this letter, he's probably feeling totally inadequate. He's following Paul. Paul planted this church. He pastored this church in Ephesus. And maybe the church missed their great leader. You know, when Paul was there, Paul would quote himself in sermons. <laughs> Turn with me to my letter to the church to the, in Rome. It was a particularly good one, I believe. Uh, here is what I said in chapter 4, verse 2. So Timothy's following that. It's tough on Timothy. <coughs> so there's this young pastor working in a tough city, in a tough church, being looked down upon because he's young, uh, and the fact that he's not poor, uh, and he's having tummy issues. He just wants to. Ever been there? Is there ever a time in ministry or serving at a church when you just want to quit? I call it Monday. <laughs> but seriously, is there a time when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're doing counting or you're on greeting or, or you're on PowerPoint or you're working with the kids and, and all you want to do is just stay in bed? And Worship the Lord under the cups. Well, that's Timothy, but ten times over. He's had enough. He wants to stay in bed. But Paul tells him, don't give up. Keep going. The Greek word that he uses for urge, uh, urges, is a military term. So General Paul is telling Corporal Timothy, don't you dare give up, soldier. Why? Why? Because, he says, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at stake. It's not about your job, Timothy. It's about the good news of Jesus. Now, you might be feeling like Timothy right now. You might want to give up something that God's called you to do here or, or something maybe he's called you to do at work or you've been caring for or loving a neighbour and a friend, a family member and just fell. Oh, don't do that anymore. Well, maybe you just need to keep going because God is still working through you in that situation to bring the good news of Jesus. Why was the gospel at stake in Timothy's situation? Well, this brings us to the second point. Our second reminder. The main thing, Chloe, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, it's true. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Why is Paul wanting Timothy to stay? Well, he says this. So that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. 
or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work. There were people in the church distracting themselves and others with false teaching. They were more interested in the small stones than the big rocks. They were spending a lot of time on meaningless, unimportant speculations and stories. They were taking secondary issues and actually making them primary issues. Secondary issues are things like you're a Baptist or an Anglican. That's a secondary issue. Um, do you speak in tongues? Do you raise your hand in worship? Um, do you sing new songs or hymns? Do you like your pastor to wear a shirt and tie or skinny jeans? These are all secondary issues. And these people are taking things like that and making them huge. Big issues. You know, you can't be a proper Christian if you don't speak in tongues. And you certainly cannot be a Christian if you drink coffee and knit in church. <laughs> <laughs> this is what these guys are saying. I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, it's silly, isn't it? And it's such a good job that these things don't happen in the church today. I came across a website, 25 things that split churches. Actual things that churches split because of this. There was a dispute over whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during the service. Apparently, that split the church. Two different churches reported fights over the type of coffee. An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church meal. <laughs> True. There was also, this is my particular favourite, disagreement over using the term potluck instead of pot blessing. Because you can't use the word luck. Ridiculous, but sadly true. And that's the thing, it's so sad when these things happen. Paul says there's also people in the church who are devoting themselves to myths. Now a myth is a story that someone makes up, or some sort of conspiracy theory. And that can so happen in our world today. Especially with some of the stuff that appears on the internet, in blogs. Anyone can make a YouTube video or write a blog espousing one of their wacky theories. And you will always find people who have too much time on their hands believing. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
are gaps in the Bible that people love to fill up with their own theories. There's a gap between toddler Jesus and 30-year-old Jesus. What did Jesus do during those times? Well, he went to India and was a mystic. Or he went to Egypt and built the pyramids with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> These are some of the stories that people use to fill the gaps. It's laughable. It's ridiculous. But people write this stuff and other people are gullible enough to believe that stuff. Do you remember when the book The Da Vinci Code came out? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember when it came out. Early? Nine, was it 90s? I don't know. But it caused quite a stir, especially amongst the Christian community. I actually thought it was a good book. I liked it. But it was in the fiction section of the bookstore for a reason. It was a story. It was a myth, in it? The writer Dan Brown suggests that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but ran off to the south of France with Mary Magdalene. And they had a whole bunch of kids and formed a secret society of Jesus. And the chalice from the Last Supper was the symbol, and the Italian painter Leonardo da Vinci was a member of this secret society. And when he painted his famous Last Supper picture, to the right of Jesus was not John the Beloved, but secretly it was Mary Magdalene in disguise. Now the Catholic Church were aware of this cover-up, but they're sworn to secrecy because if this came out, the church would collapse. Totally believable. Not! It's a load of rubbish. It's a great story, but it's a load of rubbish. It's a made-up story. It's a myth. And this is what's happening in Timothy's church. Seemingly intelligent people with nothing better to do were spreading these myths. We don't know exactly what they were saying, but they were spending all their time, all their energy on these theories, studying it, researching it, trying to convince others that they're right. And what they were doing is they and others were distracted from God's work. Advancing God's work, distracting others from the main thing, and people still do it today. I'm going to preach for a bit, I'm sorry. But there is so much talk about the end times. This sign means this, and this sign means that. People spend ages poring over the latest theories on when the end is coming. Some actually work out an exact date. And when that date passes, they say, Oh, yes, of course, I was using the wrong calendar. I was using the Gregorian. <laughs> and they come up with another date. Or they latch onto a conspiracy theory about who the Antichrist is. Oh, this is the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. Or there's a secret meaning when Trevor speaks about Chilowin. <laughs> and the French. It's a sign, I tell you. It's pointless. 
It's meaningless. It's the little rocks. No, it's the cat litter. No, it's the used cat litter. <laughs> Not the big rocks. Dear friends, we are easily distracted. I know I'm laboring this point, but it's important, and I get this stuff thrown at me every week. We have work to do. There are so many people in our neighborhoods and communities who need to be shown the good news of Jesus. There are many crying out, they're trapped in addiction and injustice who need to experience the freedom that comes from Jesus. And focusing on silly theories and unimportant stuff takes us away from what's important. Paul's reminding Timothy and us that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that brings us to our final reminder. What is the main thing? Matthew, in his Gospel, tells a story of a time when Jesus is surrounded by all religious leaders. The type who love to discuss their myths and theories and laws of the day. So all of these pious, intelligent, religious folk are sitting with Jesus, telling him all their latest theories and chewing over doctrine and speculations. And they feel so good. And then they decide, okay, they ask Jesus a question. They want to know what the greatest commandment was. What's the most important thing that they need to do in order to be even better Christians? Or to put it another way, they wanted to know the latest and greatest theory from the mouth of Jesus so they can go and talk about it. And boy, wonderful. Isn't this great? And, and they had their iPhones there and their iPads and they're taking notes and, and they're waiting for, for this wonderful thing coming out of Jesus' mouth. And Jesus says to them, Love God, love people. Yeah, but, and? Love God, love people. That's the main thing. That's what Paul says to Timothy. In verse 5, he says, he says, The goal of this command is love. I'm telling you to do this because love is at stake. Whose love? God's love. Our love for God and God's love for his people. That's the main thing, Timothy. I know there's all this other stuff going on and and people are trying to distract you and others, but remember the goal is love. All that we do is for the love of God and for the love of others. Don't lose sight of that. Don't get bogged down with that, Timothy, about all these theories about end times and who the Antichrist is. Just love God and love others. That's the main thing. Actually, that's the only thing. That's the only thing. It's why we come here on Sunday. It's why Arlene does the snacks. 
It's why all those people I mentioned earlier love and teach our kids. It's why folk count the money. It's why Laura does the PowerPoint and Phil does the PowerPoint. It's why Tanya leads worship. It's why I do what I do to love God and to love others. Don't be distracted from that. Don't allow all those secondary issues to come in and hijack you. Remember your priorities. Thank you, Jesus, for this church, for the old, the young, and everyone in between.